Hello, welcome back to the Cover and the Title Page podcast. This is your host, Alexis. I am super excited about today's episode. I feel like God has placed this topic on my heart for the past few weeks, even months, I would say. And so I'm just really excited to have the opportunity to talk about it. We are still in a series of identity, and this episode is no different. It definitely intertwined very strongly with the topic of identity. Um, What I'm going to talk about today is unity through humility. And I hope that as you're listening to this, God really ministers to you and really just opens opens your eyes. And, And I know that God is still speaking to me about this. And he has been, like he said, for a few months. So I hope that similarly he does the same to you as you listen. And just that we can learn to have the mind of Christ, like Philippians 2 talks about. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. I think it's very common that we hear of people, you know, talking about finding themselves. You hear people going on these long excursions or trips to a foreign country or people selling everything, getting rid of everything and backpacking across Europe or, you know, backpacking across the world in order to discover who they are, who they really are, maybe find something out about themselves that they didn't already know. It's one of the most sought after things in this world uh, to find yourself, to truly know who you are and what your identity is and who you will become, who you're supposed to be. I mean, even in the church, I feel like we struggle with this huge word, identity. We can easily get caught up in this world of comparison, in this age of social media where everyone posts their highlight reels, we can often find ourselves wishing that we had we had it as good as so-and-so on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You know, we see the lady who has that perfect house with all the, the cool renovations and the most beautiful couch that you've been dying to buy for yourself. Or the mother who posts about her perfect children who rarely cry and post about You know, she posts about her perfect, pristine, white couch that you know if you had in your house, it would quickly turn to this yucky, yellowish, greenish color because of your sweet little angel children spilling who knows what all over. I don't know. That's how it would go down in my house. So we definitely don't have a white couch. (laughs) It's brown. Anyways, it's so easy to compare ourselves, our children, our husband our house, our life, to everyone else. We can get so caught up with who we aren't and what we don't have that we forget whose we are and what he has given us. We are all a part of of the body of Christ and he has created us all different, equal, but different. And I think sometimes we forget that. We each have different talents. We each have different strengths. And of course, along with that comes different weaknesses. But we're all a part of the body of Christ. And we all have our own, our own place in it. It's important to understand who we are and where we fit in. The first step to understanding our identity, I think, is to know who we belong to. And I totally know that this goes directly against what the world says. You know, the world tells us to be who you want to be, to do what you want to do. You are your own person. 
you know what's best for you to follow your heart. No one can tell you what's best for you, uh, but to look within yourself and you'll know you are your own person. And I mean, you are your own God. That's what the world says. But Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we see in this passage of scripture, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that God has called us to set aside who we are, to set aside who we are. And um, we see that he, to, basically the scripture is saying to get rid of our desires and to get rid of our wants and to be renewed in the spirit. So like I mentioned before, the world wants us to know what we want, to have these big dreams that we want to fulfill. But the scripture says to get rid of those things to be renewed in the spirit, to put on your new self, which was created after the likeness of God. So basically we are called to be like him. That's who we are called to be like, or that's what we're called to do, I should say. We are called to be like him. That is our identity. That's where we should find our identity. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This scripture you've heard us talk about before in previous episodes, but this scripture is something that really, really is dear to to all three of us, Jada, Davy, and I. I feel like once we know who we belong to, who created us, that that is what defines us. We become secure in ourselves in Christ. We learn that God has prepared beforehand, like the scripture says, his plan for our lives and that we can walk in them. Actually, that we should walk in them. Once we are able to find our identity in Christ, then everything we do will flow from that. We won't compare ourselves amongst ourselves anymore because we know and will understand that that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, meaning he already has a plan for our life, so it doesn't really matter what the person next to us is doing. God has a specific plan for us, and we should walk in it. We won't look at our sister who is in the row across the aisle at church, or maybe that brand new saint, or the person that's been in church their whole life, or even the pastor's wife across town, and wish that we would become more like them. Or, on the flip side, we won't look at somebody else and think, oh, good God grief they should change a few things about them they should probably become a little more like me (laughs) we won't really think those things anymore I know that comparison a lot of times we think is just us comparing ourselves to others wishing that we could be more like them but I I I have been guilty of you know comparison on the flip side which is what I, I mentioned earlier about seeing someone and comparing them and looking at the things that you're not necessarily too fond of and thinking, oh yeah, they definitely should get rid of that. They need to become more like me. There's comparison in two ways there, but we won't live like that. We won't live in this world of comparison anymore when we walk in the plan that God has prepared for us, like Ephesians 2 says. Why? Because we know that God has created each of us as his workmanship. The Bible says so, and he doesn't make mistakes. 
He has a plan for each of us. And we know that God created us differently and that we each have our own role in the body of Christ and we each have our own different path. So why compare? We're different. Now, knowing whose we are, how do we walk in this? How do we walk in, uh, in the plan that God has for us? How do we do that? We know whose we belong to or we know who we belong to. Now what? How do we walk in the plan that he has made for us without comparing ourselves to who God created the person next to us to be? How do we operate individually in the body, but yet as a whole? How does that work? We must have the mind of Christ. We can not only do what God has created us to do, but also to be who God has created us to be when we have the mind of Christ. So this is what I'm most excited to talk about, which is the passage of Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm just going to go through the scriptures if you want to follow along. But in, in the book of Philippians, we see that Paul wrote a letter to the saints of Philippi on many topics. But one specifically that I want to take note of, um, and that is being in one accord and one mind. He wrote to the saints of Philippi to be in one accord and one mind. I'm going to start with verse 3 and 4. But we see in verse 3 and 4 that Paul is teaching us to do what, what we do with the right intent and the right heart. So anything that we do, you know, whether it be something for the church or, you know, the way that we raise our children or the things that we even that we purchase, like everything that we do, to do it with the right intent. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. In the previous verse, Paul is asking the church, he's asking them to be in one mind and one accord, having the same love. So this brings us to the first half of verse three. So in order to move forward as a whole, Every part of the body must be focused on the same goal. So we all have to have the same goal in mind. If even but one part of the body is not focused or isn't working towards the same goal or having the same love as the rest, this can and will bring a weak point into the movement as a whole, causing the body to lessen the power and the strength that it that it has, that it can potentially operate in. So I was, as I was reading this, I was thinking, what could be the cause of this weakness to the body? What could cause a hindrance of being in one mind and being in one accord? Well, the scripture says strife and vain glory. Strife is to have bitter conflict, discord, to be in a competition or rivalry, to struggle and even clash. That is the definition. Strife is to have bitter conflict, discord, to be in competition or rivalry, rivalry, sorry, to struggle and even clash. Competition. And the crazy thing is, I feel like competition and comparison go hand in hand quite often. We put ourselves in competition with one another when we begin to compare, you know, ourselves to each other. This is what causes strife. Discord implies an intrinsic, intrinsic meaning something belonging to a thing by its very nature. So discord implies an intrinsic or essential lack of harmony. Discord implies an intrinsic or essential lack of harmony. 
So basically, discord disrupts the very essential and natural belonging of something. Strife and discord cause a major lack of something extremely necessary in the body, which is unity. This causes the whole to be paralyzed from moving forward as a powerful unit. Discord and strife. The second half of the scripture says, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Lowliness of mind is as to attaining humility. Humility isn't think and okay, I know everyone says this, <laughs> but it's really true and it's good, so I'm gonna say it too. Humility is not thinking less of oneself, but rather thinking of oneself less. So humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but humility is thinking of yourself less. When we're secure in who we are in Christ, we won't be intimidated or uh, even operate with strife or vainglory when we know who we are in God. Instead, we'll, we will put on humility and push our brother and our sister more than we will even push ourselves. We will esteem each other as Christ esteemed us, as Christ esteems us. Now, if all the parts of the body begin the pursuit of one another, another person in the body, if every part is pushed to their fullest potential for the kingdom of God, then you don't have to worry about you. You don't have to worry about what you accomplish or what God wants you to accomplish. You won't worry about doing what God has called you to do. That won't be your main goal. You won't worry about your sister or your brother getting a position in the church that you wanted or even looking at the neighboring church and, you know, watching their victories and and the revival that they're having and compare it to the season that your church is in. You won't worry about your own ministry and your own church and, and rather you'll begin to push your brother and your sister to do what God has called them to do. This is the mind of Christ. Verse five says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So this is the mind that we should have, which is basically to push each other, to think of each other more than we think of ourselves, to, to walk in humility. So if I'm pushing Davia and Davia is pushing Jada and Jada is pushing me, if I am encouraging Davia and Davia is encouraging Jada and Jada is encouraging me, if I, if I pray for Davia and Davia is praying for Jada and Jada is praying for me, then each of us are covered. Each of us are being pushed. So there's no, you know, there's no sense in worrying about ourselves. If we're pushing other people, which is what God wants us to do, which is what his scripture says, we're not going to have to worry about ourselves because we're going to walk in humility and we're going to put someone, esteem someone else better than ourselves, basically. And if we all do that, if we all operate in the body, you know, as the body of Christ is supposed to, then we'll all be covered. No problem. If you're always pushing someone else and they're always pushing someone else, and they are always pushing someone else, all of our bases are covered. We'll think less of ourselves, and we'll operate in the fullness of unity. No one is left behind. No one's working. uh, Sorry, everyone's working. No one is left behind, but everyone is working together to pursue the kingdom. Not your kingdom, not my kingdom, but his kingdom. It goes on to say, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In verse 5 through 7, Paul addresses having a mind like Christ. God humbled himself. He built no reputation and he became the servant to servants. God became the servant to servants. All of these entailments are, or I, I should say all of these characteristics 
are part of the mind of Christ. These are a part, these things that I mentioned are a part of who Christ is, who we were made in the likeness of, like I mentioned earlier. So therefore, these things should also be our mindset. Who being in the form of God, and I'm moving on in Philippians 2, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Basically, God made no reputation of himself or for himself when he came to the earth. Instead, he became a servant and he was manifested in the flesh of a man. When God made no reputation for himself, he used his power and majesty to humble himself and became nothing but the son of a carpenter. This carpenter wasn't known. He wasn't looked at very highly either because his soon-to-be wife was with child before they were even married. So no one knew Jesus's family when he came. No one even understood who he was. He was of no reputation. So easily God could have come to the earth and declared his righteous name and reveal his marvelous works. But instead, instead he chose to take on that of a servant and came in such a humble, lowly way to a manger, a stable with animals. The creator became a servant to his own creation. That is the mind of Christ. We know that we are to operate in one mind and one accord in unity. And now we are instructed to walk in humility, to esteem our sister better than ourselves, to esteem our brother better than ourselves, but also to serve. We are called to serve one another like Christ continually serves us. When God manifested himself in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, he became submitted to the plan he had for the world. Jesus submitted to God and obeyed what, he, what had been planned since the foundations of the earth was laid. Jesus was obedient even unto the death of the cross. The call that God had placed on Jesus' life, the plan that was laid all along was answered and fulfilled by Jesus Christ. The cost that answering this call was death. The cost that answering this call came with was death. But not just any death, the death of a cross, to be specific. Jesus showed us that he truly became a servant with the same love, the same power. He gave up his glory and became a man wrapped in flesh. He left the goodness of heaven and came to earth because he loved us so much that he wanted to die for our sins so that we could be with him. This love and servanthood was all a part of God's character, still is a part of God's character. This is the mind that we must have living in us. This is the mind that was in Jesus. And Paul writes to us, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we are able to truly serve and love others with this mind always with us, that is when we will become like Jesus. That is when we will be able to fulfill Ephesians 2.10, which I mentioned earlier. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is who we are called to be, and this is what we are called to do, to have the mind of Christ, to serve each other. 
I believe that knowing who you are and whose you are is a breeding ground for unity in the church. I strongly believe that. It can be so easy for us to point fingers at others, to look at other people's flaws. It's easy sometimes to point out the things that we don't like in other people. Growing up, I remember the teaching that my dad would give on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, My dad's a pastor. And so I know his teachings very well. I heard them (laughs) a lot. And there's certain ones that he would he would cover at least twice a year. And 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John is definitely one of those that he would cover once, if not twice a year, for sure, at the minimum. But he talks about walking in the light. When we are walking in the light, as we see in 1st John chapter 1, it's easy for us to see our flaws. It's easy for us to see what we need to fix, uh, what we need to change, and what doesn't align with the Word of God when we're walking in the light. But when we're not walking in the light, when we're walking in darkness, we begin to no longer see ourselves. We see others. We see the people who are walking in the light. We begin to point out their flaws and what's wrong with them and what doesn't align with, you know, with the word of God in their life. The Bible says that we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. When you're walking in the light, you're always working on yourself. As my dad taught, you know, when I was, when I was a, young, a young girl at his church, the light reveals and it exposes. My great-grandfather was a boxer, and he taught before he came to the Lord, he was a boxer, and he also did a lot of street fighting. <laughs> he taught his great-grandchildren, or sorry, he taught his grandchildren, my dad and his brothers, what he knew from boxing and what he had learned from street fighting. He taught them that the way to get an advantage over the opponent, the person that you're fighting, was to get them in the light and for you to stay in the shadows. That's pretty crazy. My dad told, and and I say it's crazy because of how it applies to the scripture. My dad told me that the word darkness in the passage, in this passage of 1 John chapter 1, actually in this specific context means shadiness, shade or shadows. So what are shadows? What is shade? It's not completely dark, but it's not completely light. So the shadows give you enough light for you to think that you're walking in the light, but they give you enough darkness to still hide the things. The shadows cause things to not be very clear. That's crazy. That just like blows my mind. If we want to walk in his word, if we want to obey his word and keep his word, then we will walk in the light as he is in the light. We won't be focused on the flaws and the sins of others, but the things that we need to get rid of in ourselves will surface. The things that don't align with God, uh, with the word of God, those things will come to fruition. Criticism comes when we are not in the light, but when somebody else is walking in the light, that's when criticism arises. Um, Have you ever heard of a critique, like an art critique? Basically someone who goes, and looks at um, different types of art, and they give their critiques on it. So my dad, again, (laughs) he told me that an artist will only critique a piece of art when the paint is dry or wait until it is a finished product. So they are not allowed at all under any circumstances to criticize a piece of art until it is completely finished. 
until the paint is dry and it is a finished product. I don't know any of us who are finished products. We are always growing. We're always changing and, uh, you know, hopefully becoming more like Christ. So this next part blows my mind. My dad teaches, you know, that when we criticize someone, we are placing a judgment on a not yet finished product. In fact, we are crucifying the body of Christ all over again because the word criticizing comes from the same Greek word as crucify. What is criticism? Criticism is crucifying. It comes from the same Greek word. So when you are criticizing your brother or sister who is probably walking in the light because you can see their flaws. And when you're criticizing, you're probably not walking in the light. That means you are crucifying the body of Christ all over again. In order to have the mind of Christ like Paul teaches, we've got to keep the word of God and walk in the light without strife or vainglory. No more criticizing. I believe that knowing our identity is having the mind of Christ because we are made in his likeness. Walking in humility is what breeds unity. Sometimes we're encouraged to put aside our differences, but really, I kind of think that we should appreciate our differences. I think that putting aside our differences gives room for us to not have to accept that we are different and that yes, we might do things differently, but learning rather to appreciate that God has made us different, created us different, is a fruit of being secure individually in who God created you to be. It's a fruit. It's a, it's a result of, of being secure in who God created you to be. We all have different roles in the body of Christ. And the person that you are might be able to reach someone that maybe I would never connect with. Or maybe I wouldn't even come across them. We have to have the mind of Christ in order to operate in one mind and one accord. To do nothing in strife or vainglory. To esteem each, each other better than ourselves. To build no reputation for ourselves. But to take on the form of, of a servant and to serve one another. Like Philippians 2 talks about. This is who we're called to be. This is how we are called to operate. And this is what we are called to do. This isn't only about joining with your brother and your sister, but really it's about laying yourself down on the altar to be consumed, to get rid of the very things that produce disunity and produce pride and envy and jealousy even. The very things that produce bitterness and offense. And what is the outcome of walking in the light, of knowing whose we are, of putting on the mind of Christ? Philippians 2, 10 through 11, it, it gives us our outcome. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of the things under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So to me, this says that when we operate as a body with one mind and one accord, when we know who we are, when we know whose we are, and we know what our role is, which is to have the mind of Christ, then the world will know the name of Jesus Christ. That's beautiful to me. And every knee will bow at his name, and every tongue will confess of his glory when we operate as a body with one mind and one accord. That's what the scripture says. John 13, 34 through 35 also states, that all men will know that we are his disciples when we have love one to another. So I just want to leave you with this. 
Knowing who you are and whose you are will propel you to walk in humility. And walking in humility is what brings unity. I hope that this touched you. I hope that it brought something new uh, to your mind, to your attention. I know that this is something that I continually, continually read. Philippians 2 is something that I've been studying since my sophomore year of Bible college, which was a while ago. And I said that to say, it's not something that we're just gonna, you know, we're not ever going to arrive and be like, yeah, I've I'm definitely got Philippians 2 under wraps. Like, I've got the mind of Christ. No, it's something that we have to continue to work on. And so I just, I feel really passionate about this topic because I know it's something that I have to continually work on. And I really do want the world to know who Jesus Christ is. I do want every knee to bow at his name. And I do want everyone to confess his glory. I want people to know that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And how are they going to know that? Because I'm going to have love one to another. I'm going to love my brother. I'm going to love my sister. As is a custom, the cover in the title page podcast, I've got three challenges for you, which, side note, if you haven't yet done the three challenges that Debbie Sanders gave to us in the last, the last episode, or if you have, let us know. We want to know um, how it's going and what you guys did. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our previous episode. If, you've get, if you get a chance, if you have time uh, with Debbie Sanders, it was wonderful. She talked about finding your identity and she gave us three challenges to do. So back to the challenges for this episode. Challenge number one, write a letter or multiple letters, up to you. But write a letter to someone who is maybe an acquaintance, but not yet a super close friend. Reach out to someone and uh, just tell them that you're thinking about them. Challenge number two is to serve someone. I know that we're kind of in quarantine right now. <laughs> At least um, a lot of us are. But it could, be some, it could be your husband. It could be your sister. It could be your kids. Um, but do something for someone that you wouldn't normally do. So if you're already washing the dishes, don't count that. Challenge yourself. Do something a little more than, than um, the average. Just do something a little more. Just serve someone. That's challenge number two. Challenge number three is to read Philippians 2 on your own time and just really pray about that passage. I love that passage. So I want you guys to do that challenge. Read read Philippians 2. Okay, that's all the challenges. I'm just excited. I'm excited to, to know God and I'm excited to, to have his word to live by. I hope that you guys are, are doing well, and um, I'm excited again. How many times have I said excited? Write it down, write, write a comment below, and tell me how many times have I said excited. <laughs> One more time, I'm excited for the next few episodes that we're going to release. Um, man, we've got some really, really awesome people that we were privileged to interview. I think Davey and Jada are also going to release a few episodes on their own. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I love you guys.